0: I am excited to be preaching to you all this morning, in case you're wondering what the baseball glove is for, I guess you're going to have to stick around and find out. So, I have been tasked with closing out this sermon series uh, with one ministry, and uh, I was so thankful how Roger started this sermon series. I, I wrote my sermon, I started it at least and got it mostly finished until about three days ago. And i looked back at the seven or eight weeks that this has been going on, and I look back about the, the, the fundamental truth that Rogers started this sermon series with, and it was loving God. And, and I think really that is the best aspect of how to find out what your one ministry is, is that if you love God, and you go by the statutes of God, and you follow the fundamentals and the principles of God, that ministry always falls into place. It makes it so easy to figure out what your purpose is when you're when you're actually looking at the goalpost. So I want to start out with the only verse that I didn't put in the slides. So if you just bear with me, I want to read Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So if you follow that fundamental truth, the rest of this is going to come so easily to you. So like I said, I'm going to be talking about one ministry and the fact that everybody in the church has one ministry they're supposed to be a part of. And one's a great place to start, but it's a horrible place to stop. But you also have to have that balance in your life. You don't want to get so imbalanced that you're doing so much for God that your relationship with God suffers because that relationship is a paramount thing in your life. We're going to start out with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. I know that's a lot of verses. So I am not going to have you guys read them with me because that would be a mess by the time we got finished. So I'm going to go ahead and read those real quick and you guys follow along. But I will open us up in a word of prayer first. So if you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you today, and I want to thank you for being such an incredible God, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for using me, Lord, as wicked and as vile as I am, Lord. I, I know who I am, Lord, and I, I just, I'm so thankful the fact that you use me, not because I'm good, but because you're good, Lord. And Lord, I just ask for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit power, Lord. I have nothing to offer these people in and of what you have given me, Lord. Thank you so much for what you do. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. That's going to take a minute, so bear with me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it to our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Amen. That is a mouthful, is it not? But I promise we're going to use most of that, so I had to read it to y'all. And I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't use the Bible a whole lot when I preached, because like I said, I have nothing to offer you guys. But Adrian Rogers is one of my favorite preachers of all time. And he said this, We're in the business of serving the Lord. And God had given to every one of us a ministry. I want to ask you guys a couple of questions. Now, let me preface with this. I am an interactive person. And that means I want you guys to be interactive people. And the more interactive you are, the faster I'm going to be done, okay? So pretend you're interactive. And I'm going to ask you guys some questions by a show of hands. And uh, we'll just see how much you guys want to participate. Because I'm long-winded. I go all day long, okay? (laughs) Okay. How many of you believe that you are called? Okay, I'd say about a quarter of you guys. Okay, all right. That's good, fair. Helps my point. How many of you are called to a ministry? That's confusing because there's less of you the second time than the first time. The ones that raise their hand the first time, what exactly are you called to? Because if you're called, you're called to a ministry or called to do something. That is ministry, okay? The fact is, that's really a trick question. Every one of us is called by God to do something specific in their lives. Out of 8 billion people, every single one of us here today has been called to do something specific and God picked you out of 8 billion people or however close we are to 8 billion, but he picked you knowing that you individually were the best person out of all those people to do that job. Now I'm not saying God can't do it without you, he can, but God picked you individually to work for him. I always say we don't work for salvation, but we work from salvation. We owe this debt to God that is so incredible, so vast, so bottomless, that when I get to heaven, I want to at least throw something at God's feet. I choose to work for God because God worked for me. God loves us so much. And what do we do for Him? So, that being said, Our individual ministry, every single one of us, is meant to serve the body of Christ. Now this church here is a great church. I don't just say that because I work here, okay? That is not, it's not a plug. When I first came here, I was almost done with church. I had been burnt in the ministry, church people messed me up, but in reality, because they messed me up, I lost my relationship with God. So it was my own fault. Regardless of the situation, God is still God. God is still good. If I get disheartened, it's because I've lost that relationship, and I'm not, I'm not trusting in God at that point, but this church, when I came here, was so kind, so welcoming. I'll be honest with you. When I first came, I did not want to talk to people, but so many people came up to me and said, hey, hey, what's your name? I'm Josh, you know, this, well, I'm Josh, but you know what I mean. There's a couple Josh's here. But so many people came up to me and welcomed me. You know, I have preached in a bunch of churches. I have visited a bunch of churches. And how many of you guys have ever been in a church where you walked in and you go sit in a pew. Everybody just kind of stares at you. You listen to the sermon and then you leave. And you might have talked to one person the entire time you're there. How many of you guys have been through that? That was not God's plan. I promise you. More people are turned off by church because of that nonsense. But when I came to this church, you are overwhelmed with welcoming people. And it's great. It's a wonderful thing. I would rather err on that side. I'd rather be in that ditch than the one where nobody talked to me at all, and I felt like an outcast in that church. It's true. Did you know in in four and a half years being here, no one has ever come up to me to gossip? My old church, that'd be six times every Sunday somebody would come up. I'm serious. That shows you my problem too because I would listen to it. Listen to me now. If someone's coming up to you to gossip, that's because you're willing to listen to it. That has nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay, That's right. That's good. I can always count on him. But the reason this church is the way it is is because of servant leadership. The very first time Kayla and I came here, uh, we, were, we came to some dinner. I don't remember which one it was. I tried to re- remember, but it, Kayla said I was wrong The last service. <laughs> Always correcting me. Anyway, uh, we came here, and I had been taught pastoring that, that, you know, it was you, and you're not really supposed to be friends with your you know, their congregation. There's supposed to be a separation, all this stuff. And we're sitting there, and I see Roger get up, the only person to get up, and he starts picking up everybody's trash, and taking their plates and throwing them away, I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> but that was my deficiency in leadership. I didn't understand to be a leader, you have to be a servant. And if you're too big to follow, you're too small to lead. It's an absolute truth. And because of servant leadership and that rolling downhill, our church is the way it is. And we're kind of the unicorn in churches around here. Because this church is so awesome. It's great and I love it. But, that being said, I want to be a help to you today, I want to kind of guide you in the direction that uh, you need to be, and I will tell you this problem that I'm going to address today is a problem with every single person, myself included, in here today. Not one person in here does this not apply to, okay? If you want to get mad at me, that's fine, you can yell at me after the service. All right. number one. So, anyway, I'll say this, Romans chapter 12 gives us four principles, All right, on how to figure out where this ministry that you're supposed to be doing is. It doesn't specifically point it out, but it puts the building blocks in place to where you can figure it out. Because if these things aren't in place, you have to build your foundation. If your foundation is not in place, the the house crumbles. So I want to help you build your foundation today so that that ministry, you don't have to search it out. It's going to fall in your lap if you get these truths, these principles in place. Number one, lordship. Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasoning or reasonable service. Reasonable service is an interesting term, and I'm an every word Bible kind of guy. I think God put those words in there on purpose. It's just your reasonable service. It's reasonable to think that God, which sacrificed his perfect, only begotten son, sinless son, Perfect, perfection, righteous. Sacrificed him for somebody as vile as me that sins every day In knowing in spite of the fact that I know what Jesus did for me. I still betray him every day. I betray God's love. Now don't look at me like that. You guys do too. We do. But I'm so thankful we have a God that when he forgave me of my sins, he forgave me for all my sins, past, present, and future. Knowing of what I do. Doesn't that make his love just that much more powerful? But that makes us recognize his lordship over us. But it says we must present ourselves for his service. Before we ask God about answers that have anything to do with ministry, we have to learn to present ourselves to God. We have to learn to have a relationship with God. Without his discernment, without God's wisdom, your ministry is going to fail. And let me tell you, I've had some failures. I've had some absolute tanks when it comes to ministry. I've had some good ones too. Not because I'm good, like I said, but because God's good. You have to remember the amount of mercy that God gave us and showed to us when he reached down as far as he had to reach down to pick us up out of that muck or mire, it doesn't matter if you're a drug addict in prison, it doesn't matter if you've been in a church through your entire life and have never even cussed, smoked a cigarette, uh, done drugs, drank alcohol, none of those things matter. When God reached down, he didn't have to reach down any farther for any one of us. Let me tell you why. The reason why is because our standard that we use in this world is the world. How many of you know good people? Okay? Like my parents, I would consider excellent people. You know, I love my parents to death. And they go to this church now, and I get to serve with them, which is awesome. But the world, or the the Bible says that there are no good people. There's none righteous. There's none that doeth good. No, not one is what the Bible says. It's because our standard is what the world considers to be a good person. It means I don't lie, I don't cheat people, I don't do this, that, and the other. But our standard needs to be Jesus Christ. And when you lift that standard high, everybody's got a standard in their life. But when you use Jesus Christ as your standard of perfection, of righteousness, it doesn't matter what level you are down here, compared to Jesus, you are rock bottom. I'm not trying to be hard on y'all. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of insight. No matter how high and lofty you feel in worldly standards compared to Jesus Christ, we are nothing. There's a reason God formed us out of the dust of the earth. But in spite of that, God saved us and secured us forever. We are required to present for him a living sacrifice in our lives. A living sacrifice. You see, when you present yourself or we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, what it does is your inner self starts to come out. You see, when you're saved, the Bible says that you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, right? Who resides inside of us? You guys actually answered. The last service didn't answer at all. So thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. let just cut two minutes off. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And when we present ourselves a living sacrifice to God, that Holy Spirit comes out. Jesus comes out. And people see us. You know why they were first called Christians in the Bible? Because they were little Christ. They were Christ-like. They they represented Christ. Now, if we look at, what is it, America? Is 60-something percent Christian or something like that? 60, 70 percent? I don't know what it is. How many of those people are actually Christ-like Let's take this church for example. How many of you, don't raise your hands, okay? That's not this kind of, the interactive part is done for, suspended for 30 seconds right here. How many of you guys would consider yourself Christ like? Let me tell you something, if you're willing to raise your hand, you're not. I can hear cricket, cricket. Wow. But when Jesus comes out, when he comes to the surface, when you're able to present your body a living sacrifice, people see that. Let me tell you something about that. How many of you guys got lost friends, loved ones, family, you know, neighbors, all that kind of stuff? All right, two of you do. That's awesome. Okay, cool. You guys are effective. That's amazing. Okay, go ahead and raise your hand. 30 seconds is over, okay? How many of you guys got lost people you know? My lost friends and family, hey, I like your enthusiasm. (laughs) My lost friends and family, they don't care what I say. They care what they see because they knew Josh before Josh got saved. And your lost family knew you before you got saved. They knew you at your lowest point. Let me tell you what, lost people are looking for that one excuse, one slip up to use against you. To not go to Christ. Because when y'all oils down to it. Most people just don't want to submit to God. They want to be kings of their own castle. I mean that's just the reality of the situation. When we let Christ come through. When we submit to the lordship of God. We are able to make assessments that we were never able to make before. We are able to think not by human rationality. Listen to me now, not by human rationality, because when I, when I try to rationalize things in my head, it's never good. But when Jesus tries to rationalize things, I see things that I've never seen before. I try not to use my own human intellect or intuition when I'm dealing with situations in church. Why? Because I'll mess it up every single time. And I do. But when you get that divine guidance... By letting Jesus shine through in your life, making Jesus Lord of all. When you recognize that Lordship, everything kind of falls into place. We have to be consistently seeking God. How do we do that? We do that by reading our Bible and praying. Something that's been said in churches since the foundation of the church. Well, at least since the Bible came out. (laughs) But we've always prayed. I like to pray in the morning. And a lot of people say it doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you that it does. Why? Because I want to put my armor on before the battle. Not when I get home from the battle. Because I have nothing to offer that battle in and of myself. Armor isn't me. It's what covers me. And if I go one day without praying and reading my Bible, I guarantee those lost people I was talking about, they can see it in me. Because I'm that wicked. And we all are. We have that carnal nature and if we're not careful and we get complacent and we are living in the Laodicean age, I promise you we are. If we get lazy and complacent and, and kind of try to get away from our relationship with God. Then you're not going to win. It's not going to happen. Alright, number two. Moving right along. I think I'm going to get you guys out of here a little early. Yeah hurts my feelings. <laughs> Number two, membership. <laughs> the second principle is membership. This words get kind of fun for me. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. It says we're a body and many different members. And for so many years, I thought that members meant, well, we're members of the church. We're like, we join the church, so we're members, right? Uh, like I'm members of Sam's Club. I love Sam's. How many of you guys have eaten at their food court? You can get like 60 pounds of food for eight bucks. It's amazing. Like, I could live there. Anyway, I'm a member there. But that's not what it's saying right there. It seems like it, doesn't it? What does the word member mean? It means mellows, a member or limb of the body. That means we're all different pieces of the same thing. But you know what? It makes it a little bit more in-depth than that. It means we all have a different function in the body, right? It means there's many different members and we're all part of something bigger. It's not enough to just say you're a member of church. You are a member of the body of Christ. And every part of my body does something. If I take my knee down to my bottom of my foot, do you know there's 40 trillion cells there all doing something? All moving and vibrating or whatever cells do? Osmosis? I don't know. I think they, that's where they split, right? If you guys don't know, then I'm going to say that that's absolutely what it is. Okay, that is what osmosis is. Okay? <laughs> so the body of Christ, but it's talking about a body, right? We have the circulatory system, the nervous system, the skeletal system, the respiratory system, the digestive system, the muscular system, and who knows what else systems you have in your body. I don't know but there's a lot of stuff going on there and when one thing goes out of whack with your body it affects the rest of your body your body will suffer and it will not function the way that God intended it to function don't you think it's a coincidence or it's not a coincidence rather that God equated the body of Christ the church to the human body how many of you of guys hurting out there a little bit today I don't mean emotionally I mean physically I'm hurting I picked the wrong shoes and I've been standing for like four hours my back hurts and it's making the rest of my body not function correctly but I tell you what I have gout and when I get a flare-up it's usually my left foot on my big toe right and after about a day or two, I'll start walking on the outside of my foot while hobbling on the outside of my foot. And my ankle will start to hurt because of that because it's taking up the slack. Then my knee, then my back, and I get sciatica even worse than I normally have it. And then I'm cranky, and I'm not treating everybody right. And I hate it. But why? All because of my toe. Because when one part of the body stops functioning correctly, the rest of the body suffers. Right? That's right. There are many parts, many different functions. And I know what some of you smart alecks are thinking right now. I know because I'm one. You're thinking, you know what? I'm going to be part of the body. I'm going to be, boom, the appendix. Right? Right? The appendix don't do anything. See, that's where you're wrong. I love it when science catches up with the Bible, right? The appendix does do something. And I know there's people out there that are thinking, there was probably some of you, I guarantee it was guys, it wasn't girls, it was guys. And they were thinking, I'm going to be the appendix, I don't have to do anything. But let me tell you something about the appendix that they've recently figured out. Thank you, Mayo Clinic. The appendix has two functions. First, it serves as a reservoir of good bacteria in case of a gut infection. Second, it contains some important immune cells to help us fight off infections. So number one, it helps restore us. And number two, it helps protect us. So all you guys that want to be the appendix, there's sign-up volunteer cards on that table when you walk out today. Go ahead and sign up your appendix. Okay, we got plenty of places for you. So be the appendix. I would love that. Ha! (laughs) Number three, stewardship. And this is my favorite one. Actually, you know what? Let's go back one. That was not the right button. (laughs) Let's go through some of these. Okay. I have an illustration. You guys like illustrations? Okay, I need somebody super athletic. Kurt! (laughs) Come on up here, Kurt. Did you ever play baseball? Oh, perfect. That is perfect. Okay, Kurt. Are you right-handed? Right-handed. Wonderful. There's a glove for you. I don't know what kind of glove that is, whether it's... But you got to go farther away. We're skilled athletes. Oh, yeah. I have this... Phys- I mean, look at this physique. Um, <laughs> picture of health. Okay. Can you catch a ball? Sure. I mean, there's a lot riding on this. <laughs> Do you want it underhand? Last. Okay, that's fine. You want, you want underhand? I did this in the first service, and Remington goes, uh, and throws it, and ended up way back there. It's horrible. Okay. But it, okay, are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Do you need to pray first? No. Okay. I'm going to do it underhanded, okay? It. Okay, you ready? Okay, everybody give Kurt a round of applause. <laughs> All right, yeah. That is the most honor you're probably ever going to get. So I'm just messing with him. Okay, so in order for Kurt to do that, he had to plan his feet right? So he's got all the bones and muscles in his feet. His circulatory system is supplying the oxygen for that to happen and the nutrition for the muscles. His legs are doing something. His hips are planted. He's got core muscles. He's got spinal erectors, asiatic muscles. You know, he's got obliques. He's got his arms out like this. His eyes have to be fixed on what's happening, right? And His brain's working. There are so many things going on for that to happen. Now, what happens if you think we take one piece of the body away is the rest of the body going to suffer? Yes. You guys want to see it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Let's do this. All right, you put that on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right, get in your stance. How should I throw this? Oh. Those goes on your left hand. Right. Okay. Put it right there. Right there? Okay, you ready? Let's. I'm just hey, kidding. I'm not going to do that not put it there you're not supposed to know where I'm throwing it okay here we go you ready you missed you missed all right everybody give Kurt a round of applause okay you get the point right When you take one piece of the body and it's not working to its full ability, it's not working correctly, it's the rest of the body suffers. All those things, he had hundreds of things working correctly. We took one thing away from the body and the whole task, the whole entire mission was gone. And that's the same way in our church. You may not think that you're that significant, but I guarantee you are. At least God wants you to be. The rest is up to you. So, number three, right? We on three? Well, stewardship. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts, de- are deferring according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. Stewardship. Love stewardship. So, I want to tell you guys a story about our military. Not about me, but about our military. All right? How many of you guys have heard of the Mothball Navy? We had like eight this time. We had five in the first service, three in the... You guys win. Congratulations. You get to come to church for free next week. (laughs) Okay? So... Anyway, Mothball Navy is kind of an interesting thing. I just found out about it. I mean, everybody knows that there's ships in reserve and stuff like that. But I found out there's a term called Mothball Navy. And I had to have it in there. And uh, I love making fun of the Navy. I don't know, maybe it's because of my Marine roots years ago and stuff like that. They are the best taxis that have ever been created. They are amazing. How How many squids do we have in here? Anybody? Oh, we got a couple. Okay, good. Anyway, so I love making fun of the Navy, but because I love them, they're great, and they're fantastic, and I I do it all in jest. But there's a thing called the Mothball Navy, and a couple of you have heard of this. There's over 700 ships in the Mothball Navy. Did you guys know that? Over 700 ships. Now, when I talk about, I hit the wrong button. Can you help me out and go back to the Navy thing? There we go. I'm just going to put that down. When I talk about this, I want you guys to think about what I'm trying to get at with this, okay? Mothball Navy. There's over 700 ships. Now, these are ships that have been around for a while. They are not brand new ships, but you know what? There are some fairly new ships in the Mothball Navy, come to find out. There's some ships that are only five years old in the, in the Mothball Navy. You guys didn't know that, did you? But they've been around a while. A lot of these ships have been beat up and battered. They got rust all over them not being used right now. They've weathered storms. They've seen things that we couldn't possibly imagine. They've won battles and lost battles. They've confronted the enemy. They've come out above all odds when they shouldn't have come out. They're amazing, really. And they have so much potential in them. But let me tell you this, friends. Potential without action Is useless useless you could be the smartest person in the world have the most potential in the world but without drive and ambition and and being able to use it without applying it without action it means nothing it means nothing these 700 ships though if they were refitted with a purpose refreshed and refitted with a purpose, they would be bigger than any navy in the world twice over. They'd be unstoppable. If just put back into service and refitted, I understand there's a lot of logistical stuff that goes into that. I'm trying to prove a point here. They just sit there wasting away with all that potential. They're eating up time and resources that could otherwise be used for the Navy's purpose, its mission. Instead of doing something for that mission. You see, a ship that stays in harbor, it stays moored the whole time where it doesn't go anywhere. It never leaves the port. It never joins a battle, never gets in a storm, never joins that fleet or that battle group. It's never a threat to the enemy. And the thing is, if you're not a threat to your, the enemy, listen to me now. If you are never a threat to the enemy, you are never an asset to the mission. And listen to me, friends, we have a mission, each and every one of us, and it's to spread the gospel to every nation and every person. That includes your friends and family. Every one of us is called to a specific ministry. And we are stewards over the, the gifts that God has given us. And we don't do it how we want. We have to do it how God guides us to do it. Now I look at, you may not know what your ministry is right now. I look at my parents, right? I wish they were here for me to embarrass them. They were here in the last service and I didn't do this. I should have. I never thought my parents would be in ministry, right? Right? Um, When I went to Iraq the first time, my parents started going to church. We'd never really been to church ever before that. I guess my mom was just scared, and that's fine. They started going to a different church, and a couple years ago, two years ago or something, they started coming to this church with me, which was awesome. It's so cool. My parents are even in my class. I get to to disciple my own parents. How cool is that? I mean, that is a huge honor for me. But I never thought my parents were going to be in ministry. I prayed for them and stuff. And then maybe about six months ago, they started bringing a couple kids from their neighborhood to Wednesday night service, right? Now they have to drive two vehicles every Wednesday night because they have so many kids from their neighborhood coming with them. And they're coming to our events and all those things. But why? Not because my parents were called to that specific ministry. I don't know, maybe God did. But God is not looking for you to always just be in that specific ministry. God is looking for somebody to stand in the gap. All you have to do is be willing. Kayla and I do a drug addiction ministry um, where we do placement and we do a homeless ministry over in Jefferson County. And um, we were working at this uh, food bank and stuff doing that. I didn't really have any desire to work with drug addicts and homeless people, but I had the resources at the time. So we just did a ministry. It didn't even start as a ministry. We started helping people and now it's a ministry. I'm not called to do that. However, I am called to fill the gap. So I still do that ministry because there's no one there doing that, helping those people, and those are the people Jesus would have hung out with biblically. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It is a frustrating ministry. Let me tell you if you've ever dealt with those two ministries. It is frustrating. But until God raises up that person that is called to do it, we're going to do it. I've done a lot of ministry stuff like that. And you guys have probably, I can name tons of people here that have done stuff like that. But God doesn't necessarily, until you find God's specific will in your life, I can promise you that I know the general will of God for every single person in this church, and it is to serve the body of Christ. It is to fill that gap that God talks about. It is when a, a ministry is deficient, you fill that ministry. If you find a ministry that we need to do that we're not doing, go talk to Roger, you'll probably run that ministry. And we'll throw stuff at it. I'm more of a wet toilet paper kind of guy. I'll take wet toilet paper, throw it on the wall, and just see what sticks. Because I promise you, you throw enough of them, something's going to stay there. Something's going to work. So, mothball Navy. Just remember, you're not the admiral. Final principle is fellowship. I'm doing decent on time. Ecclesia, oh, that's not the one I wanted to do. Oh, we're back one fellowship Romans twelve ten. be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another fellowship is probably my favorite because I love the brethren I love to talk those of you guys that know me know I love to talk I don't talk as much as Bob but I do talk a lot yeah that's why you guys are going to get out of here before noon okay but I love the brethren I have a genuine love for for the people in this church and that's not my natural uh, way of thinking. I get, I, I'm a hothead. I, I get irritated easy and all that kind of stuff, you know. But with the people in this church and with the people of God, I don't. Because I think God is just in due to me. Not in of myself, but God has showed me the importance of fellowship and leaning on each other and bearing your burdens one to another. And examining yourself one to another. And I love that, that biblical thing that says faithful are the wounds of a friend. I love that are, I have friends in this, ch- this church, in other churches, that will tell me when I'm being an idiot. It happens quite often. My wife's really good at it. <laughs> I promise you she's good at it. But this saying is, is true. Who you are around is who you will become. Where you put your time and energy is where you'll go. And if you stay in the world and cultivate the things of the world and not the things of God, I guarantee you'll just become more worldly and distance yourself from God. You want to be more spiritual? Hang around more spiritual people. A pastor of mine years ago did this illustration and he took this 350, 400-pound guy and put him up on a chair, right? And he could probably pick my pastor up over his head easily. But he put him up on a chair, and my 180-pound pastor went down there, and he goes, now pull me up. Let him grab his arm. And he couldn't pull that 180-pound guy up. But my pastor with one arm pulled that huge guy down off the chair. Why? Because it's a lot easier to pull people down than it is to lift them up. And if you think you're spiritually strong enough to lift everyone around you up, you are not. And none of us are. We all have to be refreshed from time to time. We all have to lean on others from time to time. That's why God put the importance that he did on fellowship. That's why God said forsake not the assembling of ourselves together and so much the more as we see the day approaching, right? Because we need to be in church because how many of you guys watch the news lately? Watch this Ukraine nonsense and everybody confused what bathroom to go in and whether you're a boy or a girl and all this crazy wickedness that's in the world right now and you don't think that we need to be beacons in the darkness, we need to be lighthouses, we need to hold up the torches of God in the darkness so people have a direction to go because we might be the only Christ that they ever see. If there's any time To actually be Christ-like. This is the time, the time of the Laodicean church. Laziness and complacency. And we're all there. Don't be offended because I'm right there with you. I need to do better. All of us need to do better. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. I've done a lot better with this thing this time. And that's saying a lot. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. If we implement these principles in our lives, God will use us so deeply for one another. And if you implement those four principles, you don't need to go looking for a ministry. That ministry will fall in your lap if you figure these things out. It goes back to that saying, keep the main thing the main thing. And when you do that, everything else falls into place. You don't have to get confused about, I need to do this ministry, this ministry, this ministry. I'm not asking you to do the polar plunge into the, in the water, okay? I'm asking you to take your toe and dip it in and leave it there for a while. Then when you get comfortable with that, put your foot in. Or if you want to, dive in. But get something wet. Get out of the harbor. Okay? Get in the mission. Start doing something. God calls us to serve. All that God is looking for is a man to stand in the gap. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I want to thank you, Lord, for being such a need meeting God, Lord. Lord, I ask you to drive these principles into these people's hearts, Lord, so that they would be closer to you, Lord so they would be more effectual in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for all you do in advance. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Amen. The altars are open. Maybe you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you want to get that settled, there are plenty of people in here that can help you with that. If you want to come forward, that's fine. If not, you can go in the back, and I guarantee you somebody on staff here will meet you back there. And they will talk about that with you and get it settled so you can know and have that peace that all of us have. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a little bit and you want to join. You want to get part of that body that we have here in church. That's fine. You come forward and do that or you can go to the back and somebody will meet you and uh, we'll get that settled too. But the altars are open.